What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now, we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Tonight, we're going to talk about living a life of contentment, some practical ways to do that, or maybe not some practical ways, but some practical advice from Scripture on how to do that. And I'm going to be uh, walking us through a set of verses from the book of Proverbs, probably my favorite set of verses from the book of Proverbs that gives us some very practical advice, but that's going to be in the middle of what I do. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Ephesians. We're, we're uh, going to go to uh, Proverbs, and then we're going to end up in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, and we're going to try to tie all this together and put a bow on it so we can take it home and take it into our lives and use it to enrich our lives so we can have the best possible life that we can here on this earth while looking for a much better life uh, in eternity. And uh, I'm so thankful that all of you are here. Uh, love the color blue. Thank you very much. I need to get me a camera like Jonathan has, but there's just one problem. Uh, whenever you start getting a better and better camera, you start being able to see things more clearly. And quite frankly, I'm, I'm, I'm in a room that is set up for sound quality and it is not very aesthetically pleasing. So, um, I need to get me a little corner set up that's nice to look at and the sound quality will diminish just a little bit, but it will still be good enough. And I think it would, it would, it would translate better. And I don't know, that's first world problems. You know, all these people, there's, there's millions and millions of people wondering where their next meal is going to come from. And I'm stressing about having pretty knickknacks in the background. So maybe I need to just hush my mouth and thank God that I have what I have. Um, anyway, Good to see everybody, and uh, yes, everything is well with me and my family. Uh, Deb Hibbard, Deborah O'Neill, uh, good to see you. Katie Smith, I've got a private message from you hanging out that I have not checked yet. I've seen it, have not checked it. I will check it. I've been a little busy. Uh, we've got some immigration stuff going on, and uh, things are progressing well with that. But I've, I've, hold on a second. I got a dinging. Why are you dinging, phone? Anyway, um, I've got some, I've got some uh, <clears throat> messages and stuff. I need to get back with some people. So I've almost taken a little hiatus from Facebook, and uh, that's about all I'll say about that. Things are going good, though. And uh, good to see you, Christine Woodall and Gita. Good to see you. Elaine, good to see you. Merci. Uh, there you go. Good to be on the flip side. You got that right. Hey, Lewis and Gwen Cooper. Good evening. Of course, Douglas and, uh, Jenny Blackwell, Jonathan Exum says I have a voice for radio. I don't know. I've always kind of thought I've had a voice for newspaper and a face for radio. Um, that's it. It does match the color of my ring. This is a blue stone, which is not my birthstone, by the way. I just like the color blue. <laughs> Connie Barton says, you're pretty enough. Connie, Revelation 21.8 is in the Bible. You need to go read that before you start calling me pretty. No, I'm just joking. I shouldn't joke about stuff like that. Anyway, um, awesome. Katie says, no worries. Just a video or two I saw and thought you might like for your Tuesday video. That's awesome. Thank you, Katie. All right. And uh, Terry Purdy is here. Good to see you. And Diana Harden, good to see you. All right, let's talk about living a life in contentment. The Bible tells us how. I think about, and, and, and y'all have heard me quote this scripture a blue million times. I don't know how much more a blue million is more than a million, but evidently it's quite a bit because I'm trying to convey that I typically don't preach a sermon, teach a Bible class, or do a live stream very often when I don't quote Titus 2, 11 and following. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, 
looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. The idea there is we are to leave, live, and look. Leave the things we ought to leave, ungodliness and worldly lust. Live, so it's not just enough that we take something away, we have to add something. So we don't, we don't take stuff away from our life. In other words, it's not just negative, it's also positive. We have to live for something. We have to live soberly, righteously, godly. And that's your inward, outward, and upward existence. Soberly is having a sound mind. That's your inward man. Righteously is upright before your fellow man. Godly is right in relation to God. You can be sober and you can be righteous as the term is used in this context. In other words, you can be upright before your fellow man while also not being godly. There are plenty of people in the world who adhere to Christianity's morals, but do not have saving faith. Who, as well, I'll, I'll flip over here to Hebrews eleven six, and uh, we'll read uh, Hebrews eleven six. I said we would. Let's go to Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that he is a rewarder for those that diligently seek him. So there are many people in this world who fall into one of two categories. Either A, they profess that God is false, yet they live according to his statutes. In other words, they don't lie, they don't cheat, they don't steal, they don't cheat on their spouses. Uh, They're upright before their fellow man because they have a soundness of mind. That's, not, that's going to give them a better life than they would have otherwise. In other words, they're not criminals. They're not societal deviants. But that is not going to get them into eternity. All right? But yet they have learned to live for more than themselves, which is a better existence than if you only live for self. And that's what ungodliness and worldly lust is. It's really a type of self-idolatry. We, we, uh, we fall into the uh, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Once you fall prey to the pride of life, you have set yourself up on the throne of your own heart, and that is who you worship. So there are some people that say God is not real, yet they, they don't really have a pride of life. They live for something bigger than themselves. It's just not God. So they'll have a better life than what they would normally have, It's just not going to get them into eternity. And then there are people who profess a belief in God, yet they don't live a belief in God. They are the people who, with their mouth, says one thing, but with their actions say another. And they are not in fellowship with God either. But they are also not sober-minded, nor are they upright before God and their fellow, or upright before their fellow man. And they're not going to live a very good life here on this earth. They're going to have a harder life. Go back to Genesis chapter 4 with God's social contract. You've heard me reference this many a time. If if, If you do well, will it not be accepted of you? But if you do not well, then sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Without being too graphic, that is uh, a copulative relationship with sin. If you do not well, in other words, if you don't live soberly and if you don't live righteously, you will enter into a copulative relationship with sin, the progeny of which is death and destruction, chaos. If you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. So we can live soberly and righteously and not godly and live a better life than we would normally live on this earth, and it won't take us to heaven. Even if, and we can do that even if we don't profess to believe in God. We can profess to believe in God, but we don't leave ungodliness and worldly lust. Therefore, we're not soberly, sober and righteous. We can't be godly. Therefore, we don't have a faith that will save us we, uh, we are professing with our actions 
that we do not believe that God is, nor do we believe that he is a rewarder for those that diligently seek him. Now, why I've laid the groundwork for all this, because we're talking about how we live our lives. We're talking about, as the King James would put it, our conversation. Our conversation, the way we live our life, which is more than what we say, it's what we do as well, needs to be in the Lord, okay? Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to notice something from Ephesians chapter 3. Tonight, I want to impress upon you the importance, all right? I want to impress upon you the importance of living a life of contentment, understanding our place, and appreciating what we have and what we've been given by God. And that will help us have the absolute best life we can possibly have here on this earth while also taking us into that glorious paradise that will be an eternity in heaven. Let's notice something from Ephesians chapter 3 to build this thought. For this reason, this is verse 14 of Ephesians 3, and I'm reading tonight from the New King James Version of the Bible. For this reason, I bow my knees to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Notice what is inside of us. The Spirit, Christ, and we're filled with the fullness of God. How are we made partakers of the divine nature? I said we was going to go from Hebrews or from, from Ephesians to Proverbs to Hebrews, but let's stop for a brief moment in 2 Peter chapter 1. Listen to this. Let's see. Starting in verse 2, grace and knowledge be multiplied unto you. Grace and peace, sorry. Let me, re, let me rephrase that. Let's edit this out, rewind it, and change it. No, we can't do that. This is live. Grace and peace. Now, you remember what happens if you enter into a copulative relationship with sin. The progeny is death. It's chaos, the opposite of peace but you have grace and peace be multiplied unto you in the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, by which, that's the knowledge, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, these promises that are given us by the knowledge, you may be partakers of the, of the divine nature. Do you want to be partakers of the divine nature? Then that's through the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. What did Peter say to Jesus in John chapter 6 when the multitude left him at the hard sayings? Jesus said, are you going to leave me like these people left me? And Peter, to his great credit, the bright shining moment, said, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. There's only one way to know peace. There's only one way to have grace. There's only one way to find contentment and joy and abiding happiness in this life and the next. You have the words of eternal life. You have to be made partakers of the divine nature. You see, if we want, as Paul prayed, if we want the Spirit of God, Christ, and if we want to be filled with the fullness of God, we have to partake of the knowledge in order to be partakers of the promises whereby we have these exceeding great and precious promises. That's, that's from where we get peace. Grace and peace is multiplied unto you. 
through the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's good. But how do I live a life of contentment when I'm dealing with metaphysical things? Whenever I look at my neighbors and they're doing better than me, I remember a story. B.J. Clark told this story. And uh, he talked about meeting a young couple and studying the Bible with this young couple. I think it was at his first work. And the man was about his age. And he became, they became fast friends. He baptized them. They had a, the, the, the couple had a child together, a little newborn. And this man was diagnosed with cancer. And he died. And this was about the time that the shock jock, Howard Stern, a debased and filthy man with no respect for God or man, rose to prominence on the radio and made, was making millions of dollars. And Brother Clark said that he, he, got, he, he had a moment of resentfulness where he thought, why is this man who is godly and my friend who wants to do the right thing, who was living his life for God here on this earth, he got cancer and died, and his young wife is left as a single mother, and his young child is left without a father, and then this reprobate is having all the ease and success on earth that one could ever wish for. It takes a strong faith in God through the knowledge of God to get past that. And I've had those feelings myself. Everyone around you is exceedingly wicked, and it seems as if they prosper. prosper. Go read Psalm 73. The psalmist says, I think I've believed in vain. I think I've washed my hands in innocency, and I, I'm, I, it, it didn't do me any good. Why do the wicked prosper? You have to be rooted and grounded in the love of God, the knowledge of God, the grace of not God, the peace of God. So I'm going to go to Proverbs now, and we're going to look at about eight verses that are very, very practical, that if you've listened to me for any length of time at all, you've heard me talk about before. This is very practical. Do you want to be able to get through this life and not feel that resentment? Do you want to get through this life and not be covetous? Do you want to get through this life and be content with those things that you have? Then we have to learn how to get our validation not from external places, but from internal places. And what is, in, uh, what is inside us? If we're living according to God and the Lord Jesus Christ, according to what I read in the book of Ephesians, the Spirit of God, Christ, and we're filled with the fullness of God. We're partakers of the divine nature. So our internal validation, really and truly, is validation from God Almighty. We speak right things and we do right things. If we can but speak right things and do right things, regardless of the outcome, we will have an innate, inherent trust that that is the best possible outcome that can happen because doing right things and speaking right things is an outcome that is commensurate with the will of God Almighty, and we trust in Him. And as some of you have already put, we have a better reward. We have something more for us waiting. Doesn't matter how successful Bill Gates is on this earth. 
Do you know how much money he's going to leave behind when he dies? Every bit of it. Every single red cent. He's going to take none of it with him. He's not going to have any of that money to try to pay somebody to get him into heaven. That money's not going to work. So we don't need to envy. We don't need to covet what others have. We need to have this internal valid this internal validation that comes from serving God Almighty. That's right. We will be on the right side of the great gulf that's fixed. And I believe we can when we continually set our minds on things that are above, it builds us up and keeps us going. Deb, a fella could go to to Colossians chapter three and find an admonition from our brother, the Apostle Paul, to that effect. If you then be risen with Christ. Set your affection on those things that are above where Christ setteth on the right hand of God, for you are dead, and your life is hid with God in Christ or with Christ in God. Go check me. Either way works, doesn't it? Mortify, therefore, the, in the, the, these members in your flesh, and it culminates in covetousness, does it not? That's good stuff, Deb. Who cares how much money he has? He needs his soul saved. You got that right. And and good comments. I'm not getting all of them. That's it. I think we all have those thoughts at some things. Uh, the, the forever question, why? You got that right. And we have to remember that those evil people will not prosper on Judgment Day. Uh, Connie, that's Psalm 73. The psalmist said, When I went into the house of the Lord, then remembered I the end of their deeds. Excuse me, a hiccup like a little kid. The world is the closest to sinners get to heaven, but this world is the closest to save get to hell. Katie, that's an excellent. Let's, I'm going to put that up. Y'all read that. This world is the closest that sinners get to heaven. This world is the closest the saved get to hell. Y'all think about that. Joel Osteen wrote a book not too many years past called Your Best Life now. Folks, I don't want my best life now. Do you? I mean, it doesn't matter how good a life you live now. It's not going to be better in heaven. You got me? So I don't want my best life now. Good. Heaven will surely be worth it all. You got that right. Now, let's go to Proverbs. And like I said, if you've listened to me any length of time, uh, oh, that's Psalms. Hold on. Uh, If you've listened to me any length of time, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna. This is gonna be familiar to you, but this is very practical uh, advice on how to live a life of contentment, how to not be covetous. So we need to get our, we need to, we need to be internally motivated and validated. We need to understand that our validation comes from inside of us, and inside of us dwells all the fullness of God. So we do right and we say right. All right. Proverbs 27. Do number okay, so we're going to go through one through eight. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. So we don't tell people about what we're doing. Here's something that has happened to me time and time again, and I've had to learn this. Because I love my brethren and because I love my friends, I want to tell them about what I'm planning on doing. We need to plan for the future. Don't get me wrong. And you need to have some trusted people close to you that you can talk about your future plans so you can order your future so that you're not just running blindly with no point, with no target. But you don't need to ever fall into this trap. You have an idea and you have a plan, and then you articulate that plan and you get a reward. What is the reward? Oh, that's awesome. That's great. You're going to be... And, and you get the good feeling from all of the positive feedback, which dampens your desire is not really the right word. It dampens your drive to dig in and do the work because you've received the reward up front. That's why that's why buy here, buy now, pay later is a terrible model. Because if you if you if you get if you get the product now, it dampens your desire to pay later because you've already received the benefit. 
that's it. But you must know the people you, who you talked with about your plans. That's it. Yeah, you don't want to just talk to everybody because then you'll be boasting about tomorrow. So it's kind of like losing weight. You know, I, I started a weight loss regimen. Let me tell you, I'm down from 420 to uh, like 351, okay? Haven't told a soul about it. It's just something that I did. I'm still working on it. But the reason I haven't told a soul about it, the reason I don't talk about it very much, is because my brethren love me, and they're going to give me all this positive feedback, and I will have that feeling of accomplishment, and it will lessen my desire to do the work. It's hard to lose weight. It's easy to put it on. Hard to lose it. So don't boast about tomorrow. Because if you boast about tomorrow, and you and and you you'll be tempted to get your validation and and approval from external sources, and you won't be internally motivated to do the work, and so therefore you won't work. You'll turn into a sluggard. Number next, let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. So don't be a braggart. So don't talk about what you're going to do, and don't talk about what you're doing now. All right? And don't talk about what you're doing now. Why do you not talk about what you're doing now? Same same reason. If you get undue and unearned praise, it will strip you of your drive to perform. We want to be internally motivated. Because the motivation and validation that comes internally, did I say eternally motivated? That's a funny play on words. I thought it if I didn't say it. We are internally motivated because that motivated, motivation comes from God because we're able to look at the big picture. But if we're always saying what we're doing now and we're always bragging about what we're doing now, well, guess what? We're going we're gonna to back off. We're going to get so much praise and adoration that we're going, to, we're going to slack off and we're not going to drive hard and we're not going to dig in and do the work even harder. We need to work for the sake of the work. I think about this idea of reward. Remember in the book of Matthew when Jesus is telling them how to pray, telling them how to give, and telling them how to uh, fast? He said, don't do it openly. If you do it openly, you have received your reward from men. But if you do, and you won't receive any reward from God. So you won't receive any reward from God. But if you do it in secret, you won't receive a reward from God or from man. But God, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. That's why you don't boast about what you're doing and, or what you're going to do, and you don't boast about what you're doing. Because you want that reward to come from God and not man. Being rewarded for not yet doing the work, you got the end benefit before you have begun. You got that right. And uh, Jonathan said, I saw this today. Better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. That's it. That is a sad quote. Um, all right. So we've got verses 1 and 2. Now, there's some more practical things here, though. If... If you want to live a life where you are internally motivated and you're not motivated by externalities, listen to this. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. If you are internally motivated, you will never ever try to appease the anger of fools. You will make fools angry. And if you try to appease the anger of fools, you will never, never, you, you, will, you will be put on a scale and in the balance you will always be found wanting because you cannot appease the anger of fools. Do you know how I deal with most people that get angry at me? Somebody says, Tony, so-and-so is very mad at you because you did one thing or another. Now, if what I did was godly, my response is, so what? I can't live my life trying to please everybody. And I certainly can't live my life trying to please a fool. 
you are going to do things and you are going, especially for the Lord's people, that folks will not appreciate, that folks think is wrong. I think about when I first started doing these podcasts and stuff like that. There were folks that didn't like it. There were folks that thought that I, well, your your sound isn't good enough. Your video isn't good enough. You're not articulate enough. You're making the rest of us look bad. Um, it's like there were people that said, if you don't produce a product that's as polished and looks as good as the Gospel Broadcast Network, then you don't need to be doing this. I'm like, what an elitist and stupid thing to say. Go kick rocks was my reply. And boy, they didn't like that. I asked them, if, well, if you think I'm doing such a bad job and I need to quit and this is how I'm trying to reach souls, which at the time I was under orders of my eldership, by the way, I said, what are you doing? And they didn't have an answer. So you know what my reply was? I think I like what I'm doing better. But you don't, you don't, try, to, you don't try to appease the anger of fools because you'll never do it. Then, wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? When you start doing things for God, for yourself, there are going to be people who are jealous of you, and they are going to try to cut you down. You cannot appease that anger. You cannot stand up to that scrutiny. Everything you do will be wrong. It's, I, I didn't listen to Eric Lyons with the cancel culture, but that's, that's what cancel culture is. Well, I don't like what you said on the Internet. You, you've offended me. Yeah, but if I said anything, I'd offend you. So go kick rocks. I don't, I don't get my validation from you. I don't, I don't do things in my life to try to please you. I'm trying to please my inner self. And guess, what, guess what's in my inner self? The Spirit of God, Christ, and I'm filled with the fullness of God. Think about it. That's it. You can't please everyone. Just keep doing right. Who was it that said you can please some of the people some of the No, that's a fool. Yeah. You can fool some of the people some of the time and all of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. I would I would say that you can you can please some people sometimes, all people sometimes, but you will never please all people all times. Even, even as a gospel preacher in a congregation, let's say 100 people in a congregation, there are three factions. There are people that absolutely can't stand the preacher. There are people that absolutely love the preacher. And there's people that just don't care. You're not going to please everybody all the time. So you don't try. If you try, you're going to end up in trouble. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. Now, if your validation is internal, then you will be able to hear a person who openly rebukes you when it's called for. Listen, open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. And I had to think about this for a while. I didn't know what it meant. I really didn't. But here, here's, what, here's what I've come up with. You tell me whether or not you think I'm right. Do you have those people who support you and encourage you, but do it in secret? A couple of years ago, whenever George Floyd died, and whenever this Armand Arbery case came out, my brethren were so divided, and I made some comments on Facebook that were pretty in your face, and I do not repent of that. I stand by it. Everything I said was true, and, and years later, everything I said was proven true. And I don't repent of what I said at all. I had some people who private messaged me and said, You go, boy. And I'm like, well, where are you publicly? Now, I appreciate the, the private you go boys, but 
that's not as good as an open rebuke when it's deserved. I look back at some of the things I've done in the past, and I've deserved an open rebuke. And sometimes I've gotten it, and I've assimilated those things into my life, and I've changed from it. But it's better to have somebody that will rebuke you openly than to flatter you and love you privately. It's better to have somebody like Paul in Galatians chapter 2 who withstood Peter to the face than to support you privately and not stand with you when you're right. Verse 6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. This is just flat out talking about flattery. I want you to Google something in your, in your, in your private Bible time. Google something called love bombing. There are people who, whenever they first meet you, they are over the top about how much they love you, how wonderful you are. You're just an amazing person. That is toxic and unhealthy. The person who will quickly tell you how much they love you will just as quickly turn on you because that's deceitful. A few years ago, I received a phone call from a man when I was at the Bay Church of Christ. Long story short, during the course of that phone call, y'all, he compared me to Guy N. Woods and talked about how brilliant I was. In my mind, I was like, oh, this is going to end badly. It's because I agreed with something that he did, and I taught something that he agreed with, and that made me the most reputable, brilliant Bible scholar of the last century. And then about a month later, I posted something he disagreed with. He came at me, and I defended my position, and then I was the worst false teacher and dumbest, stupidest person and mean-spirited that had ever lived. As, as good as I was in the beginning was as bad as I was in the end. However, a true friend will be able to come to you and, and, and wound you, and it's better. It's better than a person who's nothing but a yes man. Now listen to me. If you get internal validation, you're, verse 3, you're never going to try to appease the anger of fools. You're never, you're never going to try to stand up to the scrutiny of the jealous. You're not going to be duped by people who blow smoke up your behind in private, and you're not going to be duped by people who love bomb you and, and are yes men around you while you're doing what they want, want you to do. Verse 7, the reason for this is because if you are satisfied by your internal validation, which comes from God, then you will loathe this validation from anywhere else. You will not want it. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. Whenever I was a child, we had a tradition whenever my mother would bake cakes. I got to lick the bowl. Do y'all know what I mean when I say lick the bowl? That means after the bowl cake is put in, I got the little spatula thing and I was able to get what was left out of it. And I may have got a, a teaspoon's worth of cake batter and I was able to eat it. And all that was the greatest thing. And in my little old child's mind, I was like, why do, we, why do we foolishly bake these cakes? Why can't we just eat the batter? Well, in 1998, my father went to Akron, Ohio with my mother for about eight months to fix their Y2K problem. I had a key to the house, and I would come in and check on the place. And I went into my mother's cupboard in 1998. I was like 19 years old. A 19-year-old grown boy, I wasn't really a man, but I was a grown boy. I had a man's body. I didn't have a man's mind. I went into the cupboard, and there were cake batter mixes. 
They're going to be gone for about eight months, almost a year. I'm a grown person. So you know what I did? I mixed me a cake batter, and I got me a spoon, and I got one big spoonful of that cake batter. Oh, it was amazing. It was everything I thought it was. And then I got the second spoonful, and it was okay. And then I got a third spoonful, and I was like, I just, I didn't even want to swallow it. I realized while we baked the cake and only licked the bowl, because too much is too much. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. You see, though, that one spoonful was enough. It satisfied me. And that means I didn't have that craving for that, uh, that next one. And I didn't eat the batter. Threw it away, most of it. Now, to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. So here's the thing. If you don't get internal validation, you're going to crave external validation. Therefore, you will try to appease. You, you'll, you'll brag about what you're going to do. You'll brag about what you're doing now. You will try to appease the wrath of fools, and you will try to stand up to the scrutiny of the jealous. You'll be a people pleaser. You will surround yourself with uh, people who uh, blow smoke up your behind in private but but will not help you publicly, and you will surround yourself with people who flatter you and are yes men. Why? Because you are not satisfied, and you want that sweet thing that doesn't fill you up. But if you get your validation from internal, from God, from, from the fullness of God in the inner man, then you will not brag about what you're doing you won't brag about what you're doing tomorrow or what you're going to do. You will not try to appease the wrath of a fool. You will not try to stand up to the scrutiny of the jealous. You will not have keep people in your life that only support you in private. And you will not keep people in your life who flatter you in public and are yes men. Because you don't need it. Because... It's a bitter thing, and it will not taste sweet to you. You'll understand it for the toxicity that it brings. And then here's an illustration in verse 8. If you are a hungry soul and you want the external validation, you're going to be like a bird that wanders from its nest. You're going to be like a man who wanders from his place. You know what happens to a bird that wanders from its nest? It dies. I mean, that's just simple. It'll fall out of the nest and either die from the impact or it will die from the predator that gets it because it's cooing for its mama on the ground or chirping for its mama on the ground. That's why it's important to live a life of contentment. Because if you live a life of discontentment, of covetousness, then that roaring lion will get you. And you know who that roaring lion I'm talking about is. Better be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now let's go to the book of Hebrews with these things in mind. Now, the context of the book of Hebrews, you've heard me say this, the context of the book of Hebrews is this letter was written to Hebrews that were going through a great persecution during the interim time when the abomination of desolation showed up in the holy place, left and went back to Rome, and came back again to destroy the city of Jerusalem and raise the temple mount to the ground. The Hebrews writer says, look, let your conduct, verse 5 of, of, of chapter 13, let your conduct, let your life be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. How do you do that? Read those eight verses in Proverbs. With an understanding of what's in the inner man is the Spirit of God, Christ, and the fullness of God. 
Do right and act right, and your contentment will be sure your validation will come from God Almighty because it will come from internal. But if you try to get your validation from the world, you're going to brag about what you're doing. You're going to brag about what you're doing tomorrow. You're going to try to appease the anger of fools, stand up to the scrutiny of the envious, and you're going to uh, keep people that only support you in private, and you're going to keep people in your life that flatter you. And you will be a people pleaser and the wrong kind of people pleaser, a people of the world pleaser. And you're going to be covetous because you're going to want what everybody else has. What do they have? It's going to boil down to you. They have validation. They have that narcissistic supply, as it were, because that's what that is. Now, you might not be a narcissist. I'm not talking about a a, a narcissistic personality disorder. I'm just talking about a narcissistic. I'm describing the the type of tendency that that is. It's very self-centered. You'll want what they have. You won't be content with what you have, and then you will be like that bird, and you will leave your place, and the predator will get you. Be content with such things as you have. I have the... I think about my truck. I got a 2015 Ram Bighorn I call Big Red. It's mine. It's a 2015. It's not the greatest truck in the world. It's nicer than a lot of people's truck, but it is mine. Hook, line, and sinker, faults and all. It's mine. I love it. I don't want anything else. I'm content with it because I get my validation from the internal. Let your life, let your conduct be without covetous and be content with such things as you have. For he himself has had, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. This word forsake is from a Greek word, ekatalupte. Uh, uh, basically, it means out, down, and place. God will never out, down, place. He's never going to leave you down and out. He's never going to leave you down and out. You may feel like you're down and out. God's not going to leave you there. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. If you get your internal validation or your validation from the things internal, then you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. You can take away my house. You can take away my job. You can take away my truck. You can take away all my sound equipment. I wouldn't want it to happen, but you can even take away my wife and children. You can take away my life. But what can you really do to me? Because my validation, my purpose, my life, my conduct, my happiness, my joy, my contentment is rooted and grounded in the love of God which passeth understanding. And grace and peace have been multiplied unto me through the knowledge of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. So you might kill me, but I have something on the other side that you can never take away. The Lord is my helper. I don't fear what you can do to me. But if you get your validation from external things, you will be very afraid what man can do to you because they can take that validation. Folks, let's live our lives without covetousness and be happy with whatsoever things we have. And let us, let us not be like that little bird that wanders from its place and gets plucked up by the predator. Do right and say right. And trust the outcome to God. And that's really all I have. Let me see the, uh, let me see the, uh, hey, if it's a Ram, it's a great truck. It is a great truck, Connie. Jonathan's got a 2012 Silverado. I love it. Doesn't look the best, but it gets me where I need to go. You got that. Contentment in Christ will fill any void in a man's soul. We need to fill ourselves with the word of God daily. It is what brings contentment. You got that right. And young birds can't take care of themselves. Her babies are all alone. That's right. That's right. 
Good stuff. Good comments. Uh, thank you, Diana Hart. Says great illustration when I was talking about the cake batter. Um, good stuff. <laughs> Diana, thank you. Tuesdays with Tony never disappoint. Thank you again. Well, I appreciate that. Gita says, thank you so much for this discussion. It confirms some cogitations I've been having today. Well, that's awesome. Hey, did any of y'all ever think that the word cogitations would be in your normal uh, vocabulary? I had never heard it until I started studying the book of Daniel, and I just thought it was a cool word. Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. You know, since I've learned that word, I that, that word is a fairly common word. Did you know that? I had no, you, whenever you learn a word, you start hearing that word more often. And now, I mean, I've heard that word several times while listening to the news, while listening to some of these podcasts that I listen to, and it's just a word that people use. I thought it's amazing. Anyway, wonderful thoughts. By the way, my name is uh, Mercy. Love you, brother. And the blue is very nice. Well, th- I need to wear blue more often. I, I, that's Yeah, i tell you what. A thinker is a cogitator. Yes, Jonathan, that's exactly right. A cogitator. Yep. Well, guys, looks like we, we, we got done in a timely fashion. I really appreciate every one of y'all. And uh, like I said, I, I, I tell you all the time, you digital Bible study folks are the cream of the crop. I hope I've said something tonight that um I hope I've said something tonight that helps you out. Um remember, if you have a problem living a life of contentment, go to the book and, and start listing the things for which you have in your life to be thankful. You know, you may have to boil it down to I'm alive and I'm not dead. Sometimes you gotta just boil it down to the base part. I mean, I know some people who live such terrible lives that probably the only thing they have to be thankful for is the fact that they can inhale and exhale. And that is tragic, but that's better than some people because there are some people that were outside of Christ that didn't get another day and have another chance to obey the gospel. So maybe we count our many blessings, name them one by one, and it may just surprise us what God has done. Folks, I really appreciate you. I'm going to get off here. God bless you. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations. If you like what we do and want to help us out, you can help me out directly at www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. Uh, if you're listening to this on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or TuneIn Radio, that will be in the show notes. And also you can support me and, uh, and help grow the platform, digitalbiblestudy.org and www.digitalbiblestudy.locals.com. Thank you so much. God bless you. And uh, this has been Tony Birth Cogitations. You know what I'm about to say. We'll catch you on the flip side.